Welcome to Awakening Brilliance, a podcast dedicated to sharing the stories of high achieving women and the topics that inspire and empower women to boldly step out in their brilliance. I'm your host, Victoria Baylor, and I am a mindset and clarity coach who's passionate about helping entrepreneurial and professional women gain the clarity and confidence to monetize their brilliance and achieve their bold visions and dreams. Please be sure to share and hit the subscribe buttons so you don't miss out on our bi-weekly podcasts. Please sit back, relax, and enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome back for another episode of Awakening Brilliance. I am Victoria Baylor, and I'm delighted to have you here, everyone tuned in and listening. I'm especially delighted to have an amazing guest who I get to stare into her beautiful face. Um, If you're listening, then you don't get to see see her lovely face, but of course, I'll be posting videos in the not too distant future. But I have with me the phenomenal, talented, lovely inside and out, Mrs. Teresa Gamble. Aw, thank you, Miss Victoria Baylor. (laughs) You are quite welcome, doll. You deserve, of course, uh, I always say it's an amazing introduction for amazing women. And I appreciate having you on today. How are you feeling? I am doing great. Despite all the challenges from this pandemic, I am doing great. I can't complain. Listen here, that is the spirit. I heard someone say that like no one cares anyway, right? I try to <laughs> <laughs> Some people care. But <laughs> yes, that's true. That is um, true. So of course, uh, thanks again for agreeing to be a guest. We're delighted to have you here. And um, to kind of get things going, I'm going to give the mic to you and allow you to just please feel free in your own way to introduce yourself to these wonderful people. Wow. Thank you, Victoria. I am a preacher's daughter. I'm a PK kid. I am a wife of recently this past week, 34 years to um, my husband, Mr. Ernest Gamble Sr. He's also a PK kid as well. We met in church. I'm a mother of two adult sons, 130, 128. Both of them are married. I have two beautiful grandchildren, a grandson that's six, a granddaughter that will be one in October. And I have overcome so many challenges where health is concerned for black women. I am a 22 year ovarian cancer survivor. I have been battling invisible, multiple invisible illnesses for four years. And recently, and proud to say, two years and counting, I have divinely detoxed from prescription opioid medication for those illnesses. And in all of that, I have the work ethic of like no other that embraced from my parents who raised me uh, as a native in Jacksonville, Florida, right down the street from the historical Edward Waters, now university. They just became a university. It used to be a college. Oh, wow. So I grew up right down the street from that, um, listening to the bands, went to all the public schools. Parents were entrepreneurs, but they pushed me into the arena of corporate America. So that is me. <laughs> well, you know, it's so funny when you ask someone about their life, you know, just hearing you talk, just hearing the richness of that history from where you started, you know, in church and then where it kind of segue 
you and I have talked off radio or off mic before, and it's just been always enthralling to hear your stories and how serious you take your history and how like committed you are to it and how committed you are into building your own. And speaking of that, even though that's a little bit of a segue of our topic today, um, how committed are you in kind of creating that legacy, especially being a mother and a grandmother? Oh, that's very important for me because I was um, pursuing a graduate degree and we had this project to do about digital storytelling, but we had to capture our story. So it made me take an ancestral deep dive into both of my parents. I knew my mom, both of my parents were second generation preacher's children. So I'm a third generation. So my mom's mother's side, my grand, her father was a farmer, a black farmer in, in rural Georgia. Um, my dad, um, father was a Southern Baptist leadership regional um, president and a pastor. So both sides of the family is enthralled with preach with faith. But in, in that the work ethic, the principles of entrepreneurship, even though working for slavery, it made me wonder, okay, where did I get my work ethic, who I am now? besides the parents I was born to. So with that, it made me take a deeper dive. Okay, what legacy do I want to build and leave or either model for my children and my grandchildren? Oh, I love that. I think that's so, um, that's thinking beyond yourself, the here and now and present. And I love that. And I love that you do have that added ability to look back and see all the trailblazers and to be one yourself. I think that's fantastic. Um, and of course, Awakening Brilliance is geared toward understanding, well, it's geared toward highlighting women that are out there unapologetically showing up, using their brilliance to impact the lives of other people. So that, of course, is why you're here. We're going to jump into your story in just a small second. But before we do, I always like to start a little bit of an icebreaker, you know, so that people can get to know you on a little bit of a, a personal level. Um, and I always like to kind of be a little organic with it. So for some reason, what popped up, it popped up in my head and then it just popped back out. I, I do not like old age sometimes getting older. But um, actually, let me ask you this. For you, what is your favorite pastime? So, you know, when you're not working hard, when you're not with the grandbabies, when you're not, what is kind of, what is your chill mode look like? Believe it or not, Victoria, when time allows, it is movie binge watching. Oh, I can believe that. That's kind of mine. <laughs> movie binge watching because I look at movies almost like a novel. But when I'm watching, I look beyond the surface. I look beyond the plot. I look beyond the char um, characters. I look at, okay, what in this episode or this movie or this series speaks to me on what I'm doing. In other words, I'm constantly self-examination, even though it's a chill mode and I'm watching movies and some of my characters, but then I always look at the precipice, like um, the movie about Superman and um, Batman, the fight them two had. And I was like, okay, why those two are fighting when both of them are fighting for good? Kind of remind me of Dr. King and Malcolm X. And they had they they had their differences, but there were moments they came together. How does that resonate with me? But when I'm really dealing with issues and life gets stressed, Rocky 
movies are my favorite. Oh, I will watch them to epiphany because it's that fight mode when we want to, when our mind plays tricks on us and we can't do something. Rocky. Movie binge watching. That is my chill mode right now. And of course with Mr. Gamble. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you got to have that, that movie date, right? Yes, date. yes. No, I love that because I think you know, even in relaxing, so, you know, as a mindset coach, you got to forgive me, but it just kind of, my brain always goes there. You made such a very important part point because rest is restorative for one, mm-hmm. but you can even use that time to even build and restore yourself. And I love that you have something to connect yourself to when you're feeling a little deprived, you know, like, what is that thing I can look at? What's going to get me hyped back up? Yeah. I think that's fantastic. Um, yeah. But then my other one, my my other one, as you can see, is cosmetology, because I am a licensed cosmetologist, even though I don't practice, but I love the fashion, I love the beauty, I like to make the bold statements, because we are seen before we're heard, so I like to put wear different things and have different looks that are conversation starters, even in my chill mode. No, well, and that's, that is like another, you keep hitting these points that are so important to women that I think women don't realize it. And for those yep. that see the lovely Teresa, she is adorned in blue from head to toe. Her <laughs> hair is like the most loveliest shade of blue and, and her clothing coordinates with it in addition to her makeup. And I love that because her and I had a conversation, you and I had a conversation about that, the power of, and the impressions of color. Yes. And like color is one of those uh, the color blue always kind of sends a message of trustworthiness and that people can kind of feel like they can connect with you. Um, what has been the most, we're really going to get to your story, I promise. But since you get on the topic of having a conversation starter with your mm-hmm. parents, what has been the best conversation you have you had in regards to your parents? Well, the best one I had when I had the amazing opportunity before the pandemic in February to go to Silicon Valley, California for the first time, being the local chapter director of Startup Grind, which is a big entrepreneur ecosystem of 3.5 million entrepreneurs, we all come together twice a year. And this was my first time going, being a new director. And I was asked to be an MC on the marketing stage. So I was very methodical when I got this invitation and I had probably about a month and a half to prep for it. So I say the best way, because I was nervous, I was scared, you know, I talked, you know, I had to really motivate myself and get myself in a mindset because I'm not moving just for, you know, like a church congregation where you have a couple of hundred people. I'm actually going to be speaking in front of groups of people around the world of 20,000 people for four days. So yes, it was huge. And I was nervous. And I had to talk to myself to not to psych myself out and talk myself out of going. And I prayed and I said, Lord, I said, this is big. This on big scale. He said, you got this. And I said, are you serious? He said, yes. He said, do what you do in church when you were MCing. Do what you do when you led the youth department. Do what you what you saw your parents model and demonstrate. Do what you do when you public speak in the classroom in front of students. You can do this on a bigger scale. 
So with that me in mind, I went and had my hair. I had some micro twists done in my hair by a single mom and her two daughters. They were African-American women. I had some bling glasses because I was blinged out into the, the global colors of black, white, red, gray. So I had a bling t-shirt with the um, organization logo on it. They never had that. They never seen that. Overseas, they call it bedazzle. In the United States, we call it bling. Then I had on a paparazzi necklace and earring set that I bought from an African-American um, consultant. Um, my shirt was bling by an African-American woman who had a bling boutique business. My skirt was brought from a boutique from a Black-owned businesswoman. So everything I wore, since I knew I was going to be on the marketing stage, I was marketing those women. And the message behind that is to let them know if you are an introvert and you don't like to talk, let your clothes and your accessories do the talking for you, which would be the conversation starter. So with that being said, I was so hype and lively as Victoria, you know, you've seen me in person. So just imagine me on a bigger scale. So my job was to give them the housekeeping rules, best practices, and how they're going to interact with the guests, which I got a chance to, you know, into uh, network with the vice president of Zoom. I had a chance to meet the CEO of Meetup, the CEO of um, Masterclass. I got to do a Q&A session with him. I got to be able to talk to the CEO of Virgie Shop, which is almost similar to Shopify. I got a chance to talk with um, Amazon Web Serv um, Services Executive Leader, um, the public publicist for glass door i mean the list went on and on and on and i said these are the people that i either see their products use their products and now i'm actually in the same room with them and even the feedback that the startup grind headquarters sponsorship division received from the speakers was that Teresa Gamble was so engaged and we wanted to hear her. We didn't want to talk. <laughs> and then the attendees started walking up to me because they were really impressed how I shout out and acknowledged the women-owned businesses of their attire and their products I was wearing. And I didn't exclude the men. I said, men, if you're the type, you're not really outspoken, outgoing, just make sure any branding stuff you do with business, it's your business information your pen, your attache case, your tablet, your shirt, your sunglasses, your socks, you know, those things now you can brand. And by I gave them them tips and nuggets, my room sessions for that day, Victoria, we was in a movie theater in California. Matter of fact, the Fox Theater. Oh, wow. It was full to capacity to where they were stand, sitting on steps and standing up against the wall. And I did sessions from nine that morning until 4.30 that afternoon until the founder told me, okay, it's time to cut it off. We need you over here on the main stage. So that was why presence and appearance matters because you don't know how you're uplifting and motivating somebody just because you had the opportunity to wear your, wear your, wear your personality on your, on your, on your person. And I am not a boutique woman. I am a full figure, very proud. That's just part of my DNA. But I let people know just because I'm not petite, but I can be phenomenal. 
Well, <laughs> let me write down what I have in mind. Uh, well, it looks like we have just taken a little bit. Okay, real quick. Sorry, y'all. I, this is like the first time in podcast history I had to pause and write something down, y'all. Um, I tend to have that effect on people. They always have to take notes when they're talking to me. They have me laughing when they tell me that, though. Well, it's funny because you and I were talking off um, as far as prep, Teresa and I were talking about what a possible theme could look like for the show. We were going to get into kind of her corporate background and yep. Greg Wade. But I feel like it's kind of necessary being that you introduced your story with, you know, being out there in Silicon Valley. It's actually the slant this differently now. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I was writing was what kind of really came to me, what I really felt was an echo based on what you said. I think it's very powerful. It's almost like uh, if I had to give a theme name to it, it's about multiplying the sound of your voice. Yes. And your voice isn't just what kind of comes out of your throat. Your voice is every way in which you communicate and speak. So, my dear, since you have hijacked <laughs> this in the best way possible, let us turn to that. And I'm asking you a couple of questions, if that's all right. Sure, um, sure. So my first question for you is, because we're looking at brilliance, there's a lot of women out there, Teresa, they're going to, first thing, I can feel it coming up in their throat. I don't have a, you know, magnetic personality. I'm not this, I'm not that. You know, I would have passed out if I had to talk for like eight, nine hours a day. Let's start with you, square one. When did you understand or figure out for yourself that you had the capabilities of speaking and engaging people? (laughs) Believe it or not, you is finna laugh. I was an introvert, believe it or not. Even being, uh, I know you shake your head. No, you're not. Yes, I was. I don't doubt that because I'm I'm actually an introvert. Most people understand what introversion is. So so meeting my husband in church, um, I was like one of those quiet worker bees. I was like one of the behind the scenes, the logistical person to make sure everything behind the scenes worked appropriately for to put on the best presence of what's taking place and I was a pastor aide at the church I met my husband at and eventually got married at and we was having an afternoon program and I was just coming out the kitchen bringing the silver platter the pictures the drinks for the panelists in the pulpit with our overshare at the time and they were doing praise and worship a little longer than usual because my husband was a percussionist because they was waiting on the mistress of ceremony for the program so I'm on the behind the pulpit next to the baptism pool, getting ready to open the door to walk up the back side of the pulpit to set up the tray I was carrying from the kitchen. And my overseer says, well, we're not going to prolong the services any longer. You know, um, we're going to have Sister Teresa Gamble to be our mistress of ceremony this afternoon. And I just went in froze mode, Victoria. I mean, I almost dropped the tray. Oh, I had to realize I had glass. I said, I can't drop the tray. And she kept calling me. And my husband had to literally get off the drums and come back behind the pulpit to check on me because I was in shock froze mode, so to speak. And I'm like, really, God? I said, really, you got jokes. You know I don't do none of this. I'm the pulpit person. I'm the one that back the person that do all the speaking. 
So he opened the door, helped me go up the pulpit. He took the tray out my hand, and I'm looking at my overseer, eyes wide, mouth wide open, and I and I'm praying in my mind, Lord Jesus, help your daughter. I said, What am I supposed to do? So she she hugged me. She t- whispered in my ear. She said, "Just read off the paper and let the Lord use you." That that was all I got. And from there, there was no time to say um, and to be stuttering because my mama was at this program. So she was a Sunday school teacher. So there was no time. I well, Mama, can you do this? I couldn't do. I couldn't back out of it. So from that moment, I was constantly recall to be a mistress of ceremony and when I asked the question why are you choosing me or why am I being recalled they say it's the energy the uplifting you bring the experience you provide the engagement not just with the congregation but how you get the congregation to engage with one another and to be honest Victoria I was the energy was coming from because I was nervous like a butterfly about the you know to, to kind of, you know, just, okay, if I get excited, I get them hyped and I can hurry up and sit down. That was. <laughs> Not a bad strategy. <laughs> Not bad at all. But they wound up loving it. So that was, I was 18 when I married my husband. So that happened when I was 18. I am 50 now. So that's about how long I've been doing public speaking. <laughs> No, that's awesome. You know, uh, oftentimes women don't know what their gifts are. And I think that those, what I call God wink moments are just pretty much designed to help you figure it out. And I think the feedback you get yep. is so important. Um, I was talking with a client, a lot of women don't know their gifts because they have blind spots. They just don't see what everybody else sees. So right. It's really great that you did it. And then you just kept doing it over and over again, which obviously just honed your skills even more. And created that moment for you to step in Silicon Valley and just, you were primed and ready. Yeah. It wasn't your first rodeo, as they say. No. Um, So with that being said, what would you offer as far as advice to women that have reserved? Okay, let me just set this up a little bit more. You can be super talented all day as a woman Mm -hmm. with so many degrees and come with so much experience. But if that never breaks the surface where it's really visible and apparent to people, AKA you're not talking about it. You're not tooting your own horn, not in a braggadocious kind of way, but in a, this is my value way. Then women are just going to kind of be sat down. Right. A lot of women struggle with that being sat down and not really being able to push their full potential because they don't know what to do. What would you say to that woman that needs a little bit of activation energy to get her to move in? How would you encourage her to start embracing what she has to offer and to start talking about it? Boy, that's, that's a good question, Victoria. And it kind of, I can relate to my experience in corporate America because I have been that woman because of my work ethic, I always had to study and understand the historical presence, why I need to do each of those roles on the job and why I have to do them better than everyone else. I have a saying um, that I recently developed when I speak to women, especially black women, we have to be five steps ahead of everything so we don't fall behind on anything. And when we do that, we adopt principles, practices, rituals, routines 
just like you said, it's seamless to us and we don't realize the monetary value, the value and the monetary value of it. So what I will tell that woman, I don't know if anyone has ever had this before, but when I worked in corporate America, when you go after a particular pay raise, they will, HR will suggest of doing a desk audit. In other words, you have to prove why you want, why you want to, uh, why you should get a pay raise. So I had to document personally all the activities and tasks that I did, regardless how small it was, how much time it took within a span of a, say, an eight-hour day or a 10-hour day, whatever your work hours was. And I counted the costs. I lined it up with the job description I was hired for, what the pay range was for it, and the educational and minimum qualifications of it. And I'm like, okay, well, this is what the job description say, but this is what I'm doing and assuming other people wrote. So it got to the point, I got so good at my role in corporate America because I have a background in customer service, health insurance. Um, I worked at a state employment agency. And I also was an educator, um, K through 12 and college, community college. To the point where when they were hot, with the new hires would come in for executive positions, instead of in promoting me, I'm training them to be my boss. And I had to, and then realized I wasn't doing that because some of the people I was training was hired in different areas that I didn't have any engagement with. But when it hit home for me, after doing that desk audit, because I was updated from time to time when I was in corporate America, the last executive person I trained, and I didn't show them all my tricks, but I showed them enough to have competence. And that's one thing we, we, do as women we want to show them the whole gamut all the tips and tricks and that part is your brilliance that part is right that you don't give away because if you give it all away then they will no longer have a need for you so the last executive person i trained my supervisor didn't say anything my director didn't say anything this young lady wound up being over me and that was my last drop I said, I am not going to continue to work hard the way I do, recraft systems and processes to make the company more money, who refuse to pay me for the value I provide, and train your executive leadership workforce because you want them to represent your company and not me. That was the day I packed up my desk and I resigned. And I did not have another job waiting. I had just got to that point that they no longer value me as an asset to, for upward mobility opportunities. They only valued me for what I can do. And when I asked why I didn't get positions or why I didn't get promotions or pay raises, they say, well, if you get promoted, I will have to hire four people to do what you do. So I don't want to disrupt the process or the system. So I'm not worthy to get a pay raise. I'm not worthy to be in a leadership role. So why am I here? That's the question you have to ask yourself, woman. If you're doing all this work and you're making everybody else wealthy, everybody else is getting promoted, but you are not moving, you're not getting mobility, why are you still there? 
Well, that is an excellent point because that's when you, when you're actually brave enough to ask that question, you're asking yourself, what am I really truly worth? Yeah. See that worth is not being compensated for what all that it can be. Then that's when you have to make a tough decision. And obviously you made that decision. And um, I applaud you for that because for so many women, that's a very tough decision to make. Mm -hmm. Um, As we kind of round the bend here to kind of close it down in a a couple of minutes, uh, just to kind of go back to that theme of using your voice in multiple ways to really create that impact. That is kind of the shock wave um, that a lot of women are missing because oftentimes they put all their eggs in one basket. Okay, Mm -hmm. let me make sure I sound a certain way, but then they're not using their physical attributes, you know, the way they show up. Body language, the first thing people see, the words come out your mouth. To kind of round this, kind of sum it up a little bit, to go back to your strategy and how you wowed the stage in Silicon Valley, what would be your advice for women that don't know how to break out of kind of what they've always been and they don't know how to find their voice? What would you recommend for them in the multiple ways they can find their voice? For me, I was, what you have to figure, not just know your why, but what you want to be. One of my older First foundational mentors told me, Teresa, what do you want to be known for? In other words, when you walk into the room and people see you, what do you want people to know you for? And that stuck with me for a while. And it took me a couple of years for me to really grapple my mind around what he meant. Because even launching my business as an administrative consultant, after being laid off for invisible illnesses and stepping out on faith to launch a business on a $275 a week unemployment check, I wanted to take all what I learned in corporate America, in school, in community, in church, and I wanted to have a consultancy on administrative management practices because I was training executive leaders. So he said, what do you want to be known for? So I told him, I said, well, I work with businesses and I engage them. I provide resources. I still have relationships with the people when I worked in corporate America. So we kept playing around with this tagline for me when I started out. And he said, even in your logo and your branding, you need to put your name and your credentials and that tagline together. So when people see the brand, they know who is you. So that's when I came out with B2B strategic engagement experts because that's what I was when I birthed my business. Since then, I haven't involved. So what I would say to women, what do you want to be known for? If you don't have the boldness to speak who you are, if you don't have the tenacity and the tech and charisma like I do to be visually seen for what you're known for, as the scriptures always say, let your work speak for you. What do you want to be known for? And how do you want to communicate that? If you're not a person that don't want to be on camera, then do a podcast. Start talking. If you're a person that don't want to, you know, be in front of people, then you write. You know, start with op-eds. Start with blogs. Publish your brilliance. And add the more you do that and the consistency you do that, then before people even meet you, darling, they will already know what you're known for. And from there, the speaking opportunities would come, the presentation opportunities would come, the motivational opportunities would come. And it gradually, like I did, from 
working in corporate America, being 18 on that pre that pulpit, emceeing a program, I would have never thought I would be in a global stage in front of 20,000 people meeting five Fortune 100 CEOs and being in the same room with them. <laughs> That's powerful stuff. Humble beginnings. And I love it. I think you said it all. I love your wrap up. That reminded me of, you know, when they do the fireworks grand finale, like you, <laughs> they just keep popping, popping, popping. Thank you so much for your words because you're absolutely right. It's not about what you don't have. It's being able to define yourself, being clear on your identity, taking that and then infusing that. And that is like a sweet smelling candle. You light your fire, you light your candle. People are going to pick up the scent and they're going to want to know where that came from. So I love that. So in closing, ma'am, please let our audience know where they can kind of connect with you when they, because I'm sure there's many that want to connect with you going further we're gonna oh, of course of course right now i have since the pandemic been rebranding from um i'm still doing administrative management that's kind of like my um my foundational brand but i'm birthing into some uh, a twofold to a hybrid business model so to speak so my business to business model is concierge resource professional consultants that's where i work with entrepreneurs help them structure their business learn the nuts and bolts navigate that back office because if you don't have a back office right you can't make no money i'm sorry so you can reach me right now on linkedin just find me teresa v l w gamble on linkedin and messaging that's the best way for me because it keeps me focused on the task at hand and then the other part is i'm telling my personal journey uh, that me and victoria have talked about off record but i had to work on some of the branding and now i'm launching invisible illness interventionists where i'm going to work with women who want to change their lifestyle they may be suffering in silence with invisible illnesses but they still want to soar and they got to figure out how to embrace the new them the new woman to be able to do the new you and soar so i'm you get a personal testimonial journey of me the ups the downs the good the bad the ugly and that's through my email address which is info at crpcnow.com and you can email me i check it frequently and then i'm also on all the social media platforms so i would love to hear from you you know i do public speaking i faith-based professional entrepreneurship you name it, you give me the theme, I will have the plat the message for your audience. So thank you, Victoria, for this opportunity uh, for speaking and encouraging women. But I, most importantly, women, make sure you know what you want to be known for and embrace what you do every day. That's your brilliance. Well, that about sums it up. Thank you so much, Teresa, for being an amazing guest, for just really being that shot of like vitamin injection. I'm sure a lot of women needed to hear. I really appreciate it. And of course, you know, for those listening, definitely check out Teresa. And then of course, be sure to check out some previous podcasts, hoping you really feel stirred up and, and really excited to tap into your own brilliance and share it with the world as well. So thanks for tuning in. Thank you, Victoria.